Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Fireside Freedom podcast. This is episode 11. It is Tuesday, March 22nd, and today we are going to talk about getting real about growing and raising your own food. And I have three fabulous people with me today. We have Brian, we have Buddy, and we have Hawkins. We're going to be chatting it up tonight, so I'm sure it will be fun. But before we get to our main topic, since we're talking about food tonight, why don't y'all tell me what we, I think somebody must not be on mute. That's okay. We'll keep going. (laughs) Since we're talking about food tonight, why don't y'all tell me what did you have for supper this evening? If you had supper, if you didn't have supper, tell me what your last meal was. Brian, why don't you start? Okay. There you go. We're good? Yeah, we're good. Uh-oh. I had it open in another tab, so it was like playing in the I have done that before, yeah. Week, I couldn't find the tab it was in, and it was, oh, yeah, it was infuriating. Okay, so start over. Go. <laughs> what do you have for supper? Oh, yeah, we had good supper tonight. Uh, bacon ends in pieces uh, from the pasture-raised farm down the road and uh, farm fresh eggs over easy broken over the ends and pieces meat mm, that sounds good yeah Hawkins. We, were, we were gonna have lettuce we were gonna have lettuce but the shit from the grocery store went bad in like a day so right. um i just had meat <laughs> that's fine that works too <laughs> hawkins what did you have for supper this evening or should i call it dinner i don't know i guess i should have asked what we're supposed to call this meal but what'd you just eat Uh-oh. Where's Hawkins? He's still on mute. You're on oh, mute. Oh, there Hawkins. we go. There you go. Less supper, uh, more lunch I'll go with. Uh, smoked pork butt. Uh, my wife smoked a uh, pork butt from ButcherBox uh, yesterday for like eight hours. So, yeah, I had that with a little bit of, what was it, a habanero honey on it. And that Ooh. was really good. That sounds tasty. Sure, it was horrible, right? <laughs> buddy yeah. what'd you have so for me it was uh ham steak from a pig that i got from a, a fellow sorrow podcast uh member um and uh no i didn't eat any of the green beans and then we had some salad and then had a some keto brownie with keto icing for my birthday so since Ooh. that's tomorrow so. Ooh, woo, woo. celebration yeah. That sounds tasty. We're all eating such good food. I uh, I just had egg salad in a bowl. I was pretty boring. It was actually, I thought, oh my God, I'm supposed to be on Fireside Freedom in a little bit. I need to quick shove some food in my mouth. And so that's what I did. So I'll probably eat again when we're done here. But we all got the good food going on. So that's awesome. So to get started here, since we're talking about getting real, about growing and raising your own food, why don't we go around and talk about what it is that you guys are growing and or raising at your homestead, at your farm, whatever you want to call it. Brian, do you want to start? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> um, right, <laughs> right now I got, I, I got nothing. Um, I got a freezer full of uh, chicken and pork and stuff. But uh, as of when we shut things down and I thought I'd be a decent resource for this uh episode uh when we shut down we had uh laying hens meat chickens turkeys quail rabbit 
and a complete hydroponic system in our kitchen and uh, didn't go to the store for all of 2019 or 2020 for anything we ate. So yeah, I was doing a little bit of the thing. You were doing a few things there, weren't you? <laughs> Hawkins, what do you got going on where you are? I got to keep reiterating. We're on a new new homestead. We've only been here about a year, so don't have a lot like we did before. But so far, we do have the uh, we got our chickens there up and raised, so we got our eggs going. And in just the other room, I have I think it's like sixty or seventy starts going, so we can get into out into the garden and whatever we can wild forage. I got you know some strawberries planted and then some other plants that we brought from the pre previous place. Oh, and I think one of my coolest ones is the Jerusalem artichokes because those things are just so hardcore. You just throw them in the ground and when you want them, you go get them. Other than that, you just forget about them. So I call them the ultimate survival food as they're just there. <laughs> you can't beat it. Yeah. So for me, uh, chickens mainly, um, we have some laying hens and so we get eggs and then stew meat from that. And then we raise a batch of, uh, meat chickens every year. Uh, this year it's going to be a little bit later. And uh, we attempt to garden every year, so we get a few things out of that. But um, we get lazy when it hits 110, and uh, we don't go do anything. So we lose it about that time. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, this year we'll, we'll start some hydroponics to solve that problem. So uh, that's me. Nice. And I, I love how you say that you just shut it down or you're feeling lazy when it's 110 because I think I would probably be dead if it was 110. So that's that's impressive. I don't know if I'd make it past 80 because I'm kind of a baby about the heat. But so here uh, we've been here at the farm for we're working on our 11th year now. So uh, every year we we've got our laying chickens and we've got meat chickens. We've got ducks for both eggs and meat. We've got pigs in the past. We have done goats and we also did pheasants for a while. We plant a big garden every year. We attempt a big garden every year, like Buddy said. Uh, we grow all sorts of things in there. We have a big herb garden. We have a raspberry patch and we have grapevines. And what else? We had apple trees for a little bit and the deer destroyed them. So we need to restart that. And we just started a hydroponic system in the basement. So that's a new thing that we're going to be doing. So got lots of different stuff going on here uh, with all of us. Why don't we go around and talk about why it is that you got started in this growing and raising your own food, why you got started or how you got, got started, however you want to handle that question. I can go. Um, it, it just kind of came with why we moved to the to the homestead uh, back. We, I mean, it was... 2012-ish, 2013-ish. Uh, we just wanted to get out of the suburbs. Our suburb was going kind of sideways. And for security, for um, future growth, and just um, to be as self-sufficient as we could be um, and take care of ourselves. And we didn't really know what was going to happen. We weren't like scared of any particular thing. It was just a need to provide for ourselves. And this was the way we we're going to do it. So we were always had the intention of getting here and, and providing for ourselves. So it's just kind of what we did. And now we're going to go do it somewhere else, I guess. Hawkins, what do you got to say for this one? Well, uh, 
basically I got convinced that, hey, you know, if you raise it yourself, it's better food and it was supposed to be cheaper. So we started with that and then I kind of I started enjoying it, especially like raising the chickens and getting the eggs, you know, and it, you could tell totally tell a difference uh, when we first moved here or sold our homestead to move here. We went back to store bought eggs and I couldn't eat them. I was like, these things are gross when you've been eating your own good eggs, non GMO feed, you know, free range for so long. Uh, and the garden stuff, it was just cool, especially once I had kids, it was just really fun. I could take, go out there and, you know, like, Hey, you can pick that and eat it. And, you know, and the, just the, the look of all when the kid picks up something and, you know, knows that they can eat it and just stick it in their mouth right off the, the plant, you know, with some of the lettuces and stuff and then the berries and everything. So, you know, that's awesome. And then a straw or was it cherry tomatoes? The kids absolutely love them. I mean, they, they eat the bush until it's bare. So that, that kind of keeps you going and, you know, knowing that they're getting better quality, healthier food. And the fact that if the store runs dry, like, it, you know, stuff's been going on, it helped. Um, so for me, it, it, it was more of a why not? Why not get chickens? Like before we even got into any of like the, the prepping and preparedness, I was... I always wanted to live in the country and so we moved out to the country and did life like normal. And I was just like, why not get some chickens? And so started learning from there and uh, never liked the idea of a coop and run. And I never didn't know why, but I just didn't like it. And uh, so just started learning from there and then found the survival podcast and was like, oh, it's actually a good idea to do all this other stuff. So let's do that. <laughs> I was mostly after how can I take care of chickens better? <laughs> so uh, that's kind of what led into it. So the rest, as they say, is history on that. Yeah, I don't I don't know how exactly we got started I, a little bit like Buddy. I mean, we knew we wanted to move to the country and it was like, if we're going to move to the country, why don't we do this? We'll have the space. We'll have the buildings. Um, so it was, it was kind of always in the plan. As far as like a garden, we had a garden everywhere that we lived and I had a garden growing up and I had grandparents that grew gardens. And so that was normal to me that people were growing their own food. I never thought of it as a self-sufficiency thing. It was just grandpa has a garden. Great grandpa has a garden. You know, they're all growing this stuff and that's cool. And maybe I can grow stuff, too. That was more what it was. Um, as far as meat, you know, that was the cool thing about getting to the farm is getting here and having the space and having the buildings and thinking, well, what can we put here? Okay, we'll start with chickens. That's cool. Cause you know, that's the gateway animal. That's what everybody seems to start with. And then what else can we get? What else can we get? So it just kind of built from that, I suppose. When you are, oh, buddy's got something to say. Key off of what you're saying. There is something different about when you go from the garden to meat animals. It just, it's like a whole different level. It's like achievement unlocked in a game. And it's like, you know, it just because it's like, wait a minute, all the bacon that I grow, that I buy, and I can grow that myself. Like, why didn't yeah. anyone tell me that? You know, <laughs> same thing with the, the beef and the, you know, it's like, who, why didn't anyone tell me that? You know, and so it, it is a mind shift. And all of a sudden, like the whole world opens up because that's the expensive stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and dollar for dollar, I mean, granted, the veggies are usually actually more expensive, but uh when when you're looking at the receipt uh it's the it's the meat and so anyway but, but i i agree it's like a whole different level when you make that jump to to meat animals 
as soon as, as soon as we went to um raising meat like when we first got here we started garden little garden um we didn't have we kind of had the infrastructure but we wanted to change the infrastructure before we got chickens um and then we only had eggs so we worked on the garden the first two years and as soon as we started doing like meat chickens and rabbits and eating that meat and processing it the garden went to shit and it soon was transformed into perennials it was garlic i mean perennial garlic is just easy uh, might as well be a perennial here uh, but uh yeah just pick it put it back in the ground <laughs> and uh but anyway like um the berry bushes and stuff like that that it wasn't the annual garden wasn't appealing to me anymore and then when we put the hydroponic greens in the kitchen it was like game over i don't need anything in the garden anymore i got all these awesome greens and i have all this awesome meat so it does feel a little bit like leveling up because and we'll probably talk about this in a bit but you know people will talk about well you can always put a tomato on your balcony you know, so that's gardening. They don't say you can put two meat birds on your balcony. You know, it's like a totally different thing. So it is sort of like leveling up a little bit. I like how you put that, buddy. So when when you think about people getting into growing or raising their own food, what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make when they get started? And I'm going to take the first one. I'm going to make you guys think of something else. Like I have another one, but everybody always says, the mistake is people go too fast and they try to do too much. That is what everyone always says. And and we probably all agree with that. If you don't, uh, let me know you want to say something. But um, let, let's go past that and think of some other ones. So does anybody want to start with that one? Buddy? I'll, I'll start with this one. Mine, and I know a few other people, is uh, uh, overanalyzing um, and spending too much time. So I, you know, coming from the suburbs, I have no experience with any of this stuff. And so literally everything I learned, I have to learn on my own. And so I spent due to some weird timing, um, a year and a half learning about chickens. And I'm like, I should have just got some chickens, <laughs> you know, like instead of reading like six different books on chickens, I should have just bought some dumb chickens and, and I'd have figured it out, you know, kind of thing. And so, and sometimes you just spend too much time um, but yeah, I, I do want to agree on the, uh, um, going too fast and, uh, but I want to tweak that a little bit is people don't leave them an escape hatch. They're like, they go all in without giving them an opportunity to stop. Um, so it's like, well, I'm going to get 20 chickens and they're going to live for the next two years. Now you have a two year commitment. And that, that's why I went with meat chickens for the first time is because a, I have an eight week out. If, if after eight weeks, I hate chickens, I don't have to do it again. And it gets me to the grittiest part of doing meat animals. And if I didn't like that, then uh, I know this isn't a thing for me. So it's kind of my thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. You all, you guys always steal my answers. Um, but I was thinking uh, you said the gritty part of, the the meat production uh but even on the garden thing people don't realize the end the end the processing the preserving the using um it's great to take care of your tomato plant for you know the whole season but what the hell are you gonna do with the tomatoes and when they come well i don't know if this is the way everywhere else but when when they come here it's like 
they're here and you have to deal with it. It, it isn't like, uh, I mean, the cherry tomatoes, yeah, they give for like eight months straight. I mean, it seems like as soon as they, they start blossoming, they're just like pounding you for a while. That Matt's wilds are just fantastic. But the like a lot of the other produce, it's, it's uh, trying to preserve it all at once or the butchering and the preserving of the meat is what they don't realize. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, um, my take with one of the biggest mistakes I see is not realizing the time it's going to take, you know, for the size of, like, the bigger the, you know, this year we started out, we got a four by eight raised garden bed, and that's all we're doing because I don't know how much time I'm going to have, but I know at least that, and it's right next to the house. That was one of our biggest mistakes was uh, at the last place, the garden was around the corner on the other side of the garage where we didn't go. So... The weeds always took over and then being in the National Guard, I was gone for two weeks and then my wife was home with, you know, two kids by herself, plus working a full time job. She didn't have time to go out there for even 20, 30 minutes a day and sit there and garden. So allotting that time in to, you know, to go by it every day and just kind of check on it, learn it, see what's going on. And uh, because later on, I put a little aquaponics. Um, what are they? The watering beds in and stuff. And literally it was like belly height the boxes were I, it was right there in the driveway i'd get out home from work i'd go over there for my flashlight and check out all my plants you know and it was a lot smaller area but i tell you what we got a whole lot more out of those few those those i think it was those little totes i think it was six of them we got so much more out of that than we did out of a garden that was 20 by 50 you know because it was there in the way i got to check on it every day and so i think that's the biggest one is just making sure you don't neglect it, I guess that makes sense. Cause it, you know, it, it's something you want to do. And if you hate it then stop doing it. But. Yeah. And it always takes more time than you think it's gonna, it's yeah. Uh, let's go to a couple comments over here. Rock and eight farm says, if it's an animal, I think the biggest mistake people make is not having all their infrastructure in place. Yeah. Brian, do you want to say something about that? Yeah, that was something that I was, uh, I I had read that when I first started, before we even bought the farm, that was something that was stressed in a book I read. And I never, I never ordered the birds until the, sh the shit was done or the new animal, or the rabbits or anything. I never, I never played that game because shit comes up in my life. And um, if it needs to be done tomorrow, man, something could happen. And so, yeah, and that's a life you're, you're dealing with. It's not a plant. I mean, it's a plant's a life, I guess. I, I guess I, they scream when you harvest them or something. Trees do. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you're dealing with a life. Um, so, yeah, treat it right. Respect it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of have the reverse problem on this. I want to have the perfect infrastructure before I get uh, animals. And so <laughs> it delays my getting animals a long time sometimes because I keep iterating on ideas in my head and and it's like oh if i gotta do this you know i gotta do and so that uh, yeah so it's like i'm now on year three of wanting to get pigs and now finally know what i want but it was like you know i keep iterating on ideas for the infrastructure but so I, it delays me it's a balance for sure trying to figure out getting it done but maybe not super perfect i don't know hawkins did you do did you have anything you wanted to add to that or no uh, just the, on the, this kind of the same note as that is like, you know, this year when we got the chickens, I knew what chick, what it involved, what infrastructure involved with them. 
So that, you know, that's another big one. Like right now I want to get goats. Well, before I get goats and I start, you know, thinking I'm good, I got a buddy that raises goats and I'm going to be like, Hey man, he, I am either, either come here and look at my stuff and tell me what I did wrong and what I need to fix, you know, or, you know, get that expert, get that third party. Somebody that's done it, get, bring them in and get, you know, ask those questions. I think is always a great thing. Cause, uh, yeah, I've never done goats. So I don't know if my, you know, my fence might be have holes in like crazy thing it through now with chickens. I'm like, hey, I need to plug this hole, that hole. This is going to happen. You know, I knew those things because I've got the experience, but you don't have the experience, especially when it comes to animals, because like you said, it's a life and there's more investment in them, you know, than a plant. So ask the questions, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, Letty from Liberty All Day, who's sitting in the chat, not on screen today. Uh, she said, I had plans for a big garden this year, but with baby bug on the way, we're scaling it back to just a few things. So that's good. Knowing what you can handle, being ready for being busy, good idea. Uh, some of the things that I thought about that I would say are mistakes when you get started. Number one, I would say when we're talking gardening is not understanding that you have a zone where you live. You have a gardening zone where you live and you cannot grow everything you want where you live just because you want to put it in the ground. Um, that that was something I had to figure out. I was like, oh, I, I don't even know what it was I wanted to grow. But I was like, that that doesn't grow here or it's not going to come back because I live in Minnesota. It's a totally different thing. Another thing I think that will kind of kick you in the butt um, is if you don't realize that that mother nature is in charge, she's in charge. Uh, I remember last year we had this beautiful tomato harvest that we were expecting. Oh my gosh, the plants were just gorgeous. And in about a two minute hailstorm of, you know, really decent size hail that did a lot of damage to a lot of stuff, the garden looked like salsa. And it was the end of August. The, I, this is Minnesota, end of August, you're done. Like we were just like, okay, I guess that's our garden for the year. So Ma Nature is is in charge. So you you can't fight her. That's just what it is. Um, I, I think one more thing that I was thinking was a mistake that people will make when they're starting is they think that they have to do it a certain way. As in, I want to grow all my vegetables organically, which is fine, but you may you may discover you need to do a few things that aren't quite organic or um, you need to be willing to try different things or you want to raise your animals in a certain way with a certain feed and maybe you can't find that feed where you live or you want to free range your chickens and you find out we have so many predators here. Oh my word, we, they, we're just feeding the wildlife. That's all we're doing by free ranging our birds. So I think there's there's definitely some things to learn when you're jumping in um, to, to the, the raisin and growing food thing. Does anybody else have anything else they want to say about that before we move on to the next question? No. Okay. Next question. What would you say are the pros or the benefits to growing or raising your own food? And we kind of touched on this a little bit, but let's go around and talk about what's the great part of raising your own stuff. I got it. I'm going to take all your answers. It's your uh, turn. You got to take them all once, at least once. <laughs> so food security. Uh, like I said, when we were in full swing here, I didn't go to the grocery store for food for, you know, two years. Um, all through the whole COVID's thing and everything, uh, people were screaming about grocery stores didn't have this or that or mask. And I just like, I don't give a shit. 
I got a freezer full and I got a hydro system growing all everything I need. So we we transitioned our what we ate to what we were producing. So we were we were eating pretty much paleo. So we were eating meat and greens, and we had all the different greens, all the different microgreens, and all the meat we could eat. Um, so yeah, food security, man. That's that's where it's at. And I knew what was in my food. Like I knew I literally a lot of it, not our chickens, but um, we ordered in our chickens, our meat chickens and our turkeys. Everything else was um, from egg or baby or whatever to freezer came from my property and never touched anyone else's property. I knew everything that it ate. I knew everything that it touched. I knew all the water that it drank. And I was the only person that touched that meat. And then I got to provide it for my family. I mean, that's, that's a really cool feeling to have. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, I think one of the biggest benefits and pros is kind of like what he just said is, you know, you get a, you get a sense of pride when you provide that for yourself and for your family and knowing all about it, you know, it, it is a great benefit and it. They do say it's one of the, you know, that you can't, buy something as good as you can grow there's also certain things you can grow that you can't buy like uh well ours is wild uh, but we have pawpaw trees on the property and you can't go out to the store and buy pawpaws because they don't transport they don't you know stay good and stuff like that uh one other thing that i've found uh we have chickens that we had uh processed i think they're over two years old almost three years old in the freezer and I pulled those things out and I was like, I don't know about this, but let's give it a shot. I cooked that thing up and it was good. And I got a feeling if you did that with, you know, and I think it's because of the quality of the meat. So, you know, once you start with quality up here, you know, that time in the freezer, it goes down, but it's kind of starting with really good battery. You know, it goes down over time, but if you start with crap, you're not going to get that longevity. Up. So as far as food storage, go ahead, Brian. The chicken you're getting in the store is full of water too, saline, all that. So it sits in the freezer, it explodes all the cells. So when yep. it freezes, okay. it's, it's shit. Um, you have less <laughs> of that in your meat, so it freezes better. I mean, that's what I've experienced. Um, I could be totally full of shit there, but um, I'm pretty sure they inject those chicken breasts with... Uh, with uh, I've heard it. I've seen videos of them with the injector. But you know what I mean? So you're starting with great quality, so you're going to get more longevity, longevity out of your food storage as is. And, you know, when it comes to kids getting them to eat food, it... Like I said, they, it just gets them in, it, to eating that healthy food when they grow it themselves or when they raise it. And I, I think it kind of gives them a certain kind of different aspect on it all. So, Yeah, so for me, it'd be opportunity. Um, just the the opportunity for, uh, for business, uh, the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to uh, teach. Um, uh, you know, for me... Uh, I'm content just doing whatever it takes, you know, just going down to the store and buying crap for me. But, you know, I wanted to take the opportunity to teach my kids, you know, this is where food comes from and this is how you do it. And uh, now that you know how to do all this, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You now have the skill set that will travel with you forever. And, uh, you know, you can survive anything because, you have a marketable skill no matter what the times are um, or if you're just down on your luck, you know how to make your own food. So it's like, what does it really matter after that? You know, it's like because growing up, I didn't I didn't know that we had we had a garden um, a couple of times. My 
uh, grandmother or grandparents were like, eh, we don't need a garden anymore. You know, they're like, did that during the Great Depression? Why do I need that now? You know, type thing. And uh, so that wasn't something culturally, uh, you know, was in was in our system. So uh, just for me, just all the different opportunities it opens up in life is, is one reason we do it. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, you all took my answer. So, I mean, that's fine. Paybacks, you know, but I, I would say it 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 tastes the best. And Hawkins, you were talking about pulling an old chicken out of the freezer. I found one from 2019. It, had, it must have fallen down. I'm like, how did that happen? But yeah, it's labeled 2019. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. But same thing, cooked it up. It was absolutely fine. So I'm positive you can't do that with a store-bought chicken. So let's go to the comments here. We got lots of comments. Uh, Rocket Aid Farm says, amen, Amy, any food you grow is better than what's in the store. Do what you can with what you have. So that is good. Chef Donna at home says, aside from the actual food, the sheer peace and magic of the world that becomes my garden is something all the money in the world can't buy. Rockin' Aid Farm says, I agree, Donna, when the chores are done, my garden with a cold drink is the most peaceful place. Yes, indeed. Aaron from Two Chicks Homestead says, agree, Donna, all the crap going on in the world could be forgotten in the garden. So it's peaceful too. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It also, we, it also provides an opportunity to hunt neighbor's chickens with BB guns. <laughs> neighbor's rooster that is visiting my house more than I want it to. And so I'll stand off in the distance and like pop it with the BB gun and it'll go running back home. And because uh, I'm like, I don't want to kill it, but I also don't want it over here either. Right, right. So it's Get like, out of uh, here. yeah, so it's a fun little stocking opportunity and just kind of how good am I with a BB gun from, you know, 120 feet away? <laughs> there you go. Skills, right? So now that we've talked about all the good things, all the positive things, let's talk about the not so positive or the harder things or the cons or the drawbacks or whatever you want to call it. What What is tough or difficult about raising and growing your own food? It's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work i mean it's a ton of work uh depending on how much you're doing uh we're i think we were talking about getting started getting started it's getting uh dedicating that time that is probably going to go to something else already uh, everybody's doing stuff all the time so adding something new is always an exchange for something that else that you're doing so making that commitment to do it and follow through with it uh with the animals you kind of gotta or they die uh with the garden you can kind of just ignore it and it it dies eventually but it's not that big a deal uh, but yeah that that uh that work commitment it's a lot but i think it's worth it but getting started people might not think so yeah one of the cons that uh you definitely got to kind of plan for kind of like buddy was saying earlier with his meat birds is you want to plan you know those those eight weeks that you're you're locked to your homestead you know you're you're there uh and like brian just said with with the garden you got a little bit more leeway you can put you know some water on some timers and stuff like that having your fence around it or whatever you need to keep the chicken out so you don't have to shoot him and you know there's there's things like that but uh that's definitely one of the cons is you it's almost like having a kid you know the animals definitely you know that's something you're there you're responsible for you got to take care of but that's where you got to say am i willing to give this up to get all these rewards 
and weigh it out. And that's why it's independent. You know, everybody's got their own individual thing. And, you know, there's always the community garden. I got, I had a guy that come over and he would collect my eggs and help me whenever we were out of town and he would get eggs and stuff in the garden because he lived in an apartment and couldn't do that right then. So. Uh, yeah. So, um, I think one of the, one of the big cons is, uh, sorry, brain went like five directions all at once. Uh, is, it's just the, the sheer amount of uh, stuff that you, you kind of have to learn. I know I've said it in the past, but, uh, when, when you don't know what you don't know, like it just trying to figure that out, it can be, can be time consuming, you know? Uh, the, you know, from building the infrastructure side, it's like, you know, trying to figure out what you need. How do you, how do you do that? How do you learn to build? Then how do you manage the animals? Then how do you manage the feed? How far down that rabbit hole do you go? Uh, and then, you know, how do you manage the cost of doing all of that along that whole process? I mean, it's project management and, uh, you know, uh, you, you have the project management side, plus you have like the like the assembly line process as well that you have to manage, and the and the uh, acquisition side of things. You know, you, you've got to figure all of that out, and when you don't know how to do that, like it's it's a mountain, and uh, and and you, you feel accomplished when it's there, but uh, just the sheer amount of stuff that you have to learn is is good in the end, but like during the process, and you're learning, and you're making those mistakes, and a chicken dies like you feel terrible and it sucks and uh and so yeah that's one of many cons in my head so i'll go with that one i'm gonna go to the uh comments here we actually have a question what if one of you isn't completely comfortable with dispatching the animals does anyone want to take that no, go ahead. Uh, I was no. I was just gonna say the the dispatching that if you're not if like say one of the couples or anything like that. Well, for starters, like the first time I went to do it, I mean I felt very uncomfortable. But I had a buddy that's hunted, he's killed many chickens, many turkeys. I'm like, dude, can you come over here? Can you help me out? You know, he you know, also I looked at the most humane way, so I knew I was doing something good. And you know, by getting him someone that had the experience in it. And to make sure that the best of my knowledge, I was doing something humane and good for the animal, you know, because I am a meat eater, but I don't want to, you know, I want to give them one bad day, but I don't want to make it as bad as me as, you know, as easy as possible. I guess that makes sense. So I would definitely say, look around. You can probably find somebody that could either help you with it because uh, I've killed hundreds and hundreds of chickens at this point and I still don't enjoy it. You know, and you really shouldn't, but that's, that's part of it, part of life, part of nature. So you can be uncomfortable with it. If you don't want to do it at all, don't force yourself, I wouldn't say. But uh, see if you can find somebody that can do it if you want that. Or take them to a processor. You know, that's always an option as well. I have to respect the end. Oh, no, go ahead, buddy. I was going to say, I kind of, there's one, I agree with 99.9% .9 of what, he, what Hawkins just said. There's one, I think, I disagree. Try... To, to kill the animal once uh, because sometimes you just got to get over that initial fear and then you're fine. Uh, I kind of felt like maybe I had something wrong in my head where it didn't bother me per se to, 
to dispatch a chicken. You know, I didn't enjoy it, but it just, it just didn't bother me. But I also realized, you know, I just spent the last eight weeks looking at these chickens as the moment they are going in the freezer. And so this is just part of that process. And so if you could put your mind in that process of like, this is just part of it. Like, and I have no emotional attachment to these chickens. In fact, they annoy the crap out of me sometimes. And so, you know, being done with the process is nice. Uh, but, you know, you also, you know, and, and that put yourself in that mindset of like, this is just part of the process. Like, this is just, this is their entire purpose for being. Um, they are not your friends. <laughs> and so like, anyway, so like, but if you, I think if you can do it that one time, I had some people come over and uh, um, the their daughter was like, I want to try it. And uh, she's like, she, she felt like she could do it. And she did it once and was like, nope, don't ever want to do that again. You know, but she felt like it was something she could do. And so, you know, I, I feel like the reverse is there too. It's like just that apprehension of like, uh, do I don't want to do it. I don't think I can. And then once you do it, you're like, oh, it might not be as bad as you think it was. So. Yeah. Uh, so all of our birds that we raised, uh, chickens, turkeys, uh, quail, they all were here for one purpose was to eventually go into the freezer. Um, so that wasn't a big deal. Corey and I both dispatched plenty of them. Um, there was never like a happy day on dispatch day. There was always this weird feeling. And I always told myself if I ever got to a point where I've dispatched enough animals where it wasn't weird feeling on dispatch day that I need to stop for a little while. Um, Cause we were killing shit all the time here. Uh, there was just like this constant butchering every weekend of different animals and stuff. So I really was conscious of that. And with the rabbits was a different story with Corey um, because the, the does and the bucks were here for a long time, two, three years. Um, she got to know them and handled them every day. And the bunnies are cute and they're not like chickens. They're not like mini dinosaurs. They're like fuzzy and have personalities. And um, so we made a deal that I took care of the beginning of life. So I bred them because the bucks, some of the bucks we had um, could get aggressive when they weren't quite done with the dough and I thought they should be done with the dough. Um, so there was some biting that happened. So I took care of all that action and then I took care of end of life. So I took care of all the processing of the kits and I in turn didn't take care of them. So I kind of was able to detach from the cute little bunnies. Um, when I had to do the breeder does, there was a little bit of a little bit of a thump thump. And uh, when we dispatched, when we did the final calling of all our rabbits, it was, uh, that was a rough weekend because there was some rabbits that we had had around for like five years. And so that was, that was tough. Yeah. Dispatching is, um, whenever we got to butcher day, I was fine with the animals alive. I was fine with them dead, but that in between of taking them from alive to dead, that was the thing I was like, mm. and so my kids never had a problem with it. My husband never had a problem with it. So I would always pass that off to them. I'm like, I will do any part of the process except for the actual dispatching. And after a while, I was like, wait a second. Like, come on now. Come on. You've been doing this long enough. Just, you know, because I'm a hunter. You know, like I, you know, I don't know why it's different when you raise the animal yourself. But 
Um, eventually, my husband was like, today you're doing the dispatching. Today, you are the one who's dispatching the pigs. And I was like, oh, all right. And like you said, buddy, doing it once, now I can do it. You know, because I think I just had it built up in my head so much that, and, and not that you enjoy it. Like, I want to make that clear, but I, I think it becomes your normal, like it becomes a normal thing of being on the farm and raising your food. That's part of the process. Um, I, I, I do think that if it's something you don't think you could do, I think it's good to have somebody show you what to do. Like, hey, you know, like walk me through this. I think that's good. But I also think if you are going to raise meat, somebody at your house needs to be able to do it or take it to a processor. Well, you, I, need to, you need to be able to dispatch it in case of emergency, too. That there's is more than true. just doing it end of life. Like there's situations right. where you have to take an animal's life for its own good. So it stops suffering. Yep. Um, if something happens, predator attack, broken leg, any, I mean, like you have to do it. So it's not like, oh, call up the processor. I have a chicken that needs to be dispatched. You dispatch the chicken. It is just this. Uh, but Nate commented, I see over there about the worst thing is uh, screaming rabbit kits and holy shit. Yeah, that's, that'll, uh, that'll mess your shit up. Uh, Corey heard it in the house from like down behind the barn. Like I dropped a kit and it was like one of the first litters I was doing and I dropped it. And then I reached down real quick and grabbed it. It wasn't going anywhere. It was scared shitless. And I reached down and grabbed it. And when I grabbed it, it just started screaming and I'm like, Oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. uh, it was rough. It was definitely rough. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, well, not funny, but you bring up about having to dispatch them because something has happened and you're going to put them down for their own good. And last year we had a horrible situation go through our meat bird barn. Like it started with the rats were taking them and then we had an illness go through. And like I would walk in in the morning and no, that one's going to die. That one's going to die. That one's going to, they're going to be dead by the end of the night. And I remember my eldest coming in with me to do chores. He was following me around and, and he said, mom, why don't you just put them out of their misery right now? He's like, why are you, like, you know, they're not going to make it through the day. Like just, you know, so he sat there and he's like, just do this mom. And yeah. So how weird that you have the kid telling mom, like, come on, just do this. But yeah, like it, it's not just, we're going to put this in the freezer. So we have to end its life. It's sometimes it's wow. That cow broke its leg. And now, you know what it, you got to deal with it. So the hardest ones I think for me were the baby chickens, like the chicks. Mm, yeah. So, like yeah. they were alive and they're like, Oh, you know, four or five days old and they get splayed legs. Yep. And like, maybe if you got three chickens and you're raising them, you got time to deal with splayed legs. I did not have time to deal with splayed legs when I have like 50 chickens in a tub and I got one that's got splayed legs. Like I'm yep. not going to like put crutches on it, but yep. dispatching those little babies. Oh man. I struggled with that for a long time. Like two or three, it took me to be able to get over that one. Like, I tried to use ether. I uh, I got ether from uh, the lab at work and tried to gas him. That that little guy went out fun. Like he, you looked at him and he was like all happy, and then he just kind of went to sleep. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was that worked. But then like that wasn't viable. And then I tried like right. the thumb thing and mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. I st I still can't do that. I'm like, what? what boy is around who just doesn't, you know, this doesn't bother them as much because they didn't just watch it hatch, you know, like, so yeah, crazy. So, I mean, I would say that is actually one of the, the drawbacks to raising your own food is you have to deal with that. Like if you are raising meat, I mean, obviously you can send it to a processor, but you know, like we've discussed they're an animal and things happen. And sometimes you might have to deal with that yourself. And so, especially if you've got little kids, I mean, if you've got little kids, it's, 
It's a whole talk you got to have. You don't know how they're going to deal with it until it happens. I remember the first year we raised pigs, my oldest, I mean, he must have been eight years old, nine years old. And those pigs were his deal. Like he, there's, it was, he was all about the pigs and he'd spend so much time out there. And I'd say, no, you know why we have the pigs. You understand these are going in the freezer. Yep. Yep. Mom, that's absolutely fine. And then butcher day comes and we're going to go out and dispatch. And I'm like, do you want to be here for this? Yep. Yep. Mom, I understand. And those pigs went down and he ran in the house and we didn't see him the rest of the day. So I was like, oh, dang, you know, but you, you never know, like, you don't even know as an adult, like how, you know, oh my gosh, when you hear those rabbit kits screaming, like, Ooh, you you don't know. And so that that's part of the hard part too. You don't know. Yeah. I was super proud of my, my, uh, yeah, five-year-old, she, wait, she, she was four last year. Uh, and we, we had a few chickens die and she was, you know, she came out and was like, did it die? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, okay. You know, she just was like, I understand and, and moved on. And she, she loved the baby chicks. I mean, she's like, that's my favorite one. And that's my favorite one. They're all named this. And, you know, just like having so much fun with them. But, you know, when, when one died, she, she completely understood. And I was like, <laughs> and, you know, so now we'll see in a few years when she get, would get more of an emotional attachment to some of them. And so, uh, but this time, like I dodged that bullet. All right. Next question. Next topic. This has already come up in the comments. I've seen it fly by. I will often hear people say, growing and raising your own food is so cheap and it saves you so much money. So do you agree or do you disagree with that? Yes. Yes? Yeah. Try to buy what I was growing in the store. Tell me how much it cost you. I mean... And there was a lot of ways to mitigate costs when you're starting. Not really. I mean, I guess when you're starting, you can mitigate the costs uh, of setup and everything. But as you get rolling and you can have some surplus and you can kind of siphon that off for barter or selling it and offsetting the price of your feed. Um, man, you can grow the best food in the world. And and even if you just break even, it's free. Like the, your labor was what it cost you. And that's fine with me. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the yes, but category. It's like if you if you can amateurize the infrastructure and startup costs, you know, over the course of several years to pay it off, then it's cheaper. Um, but when you try something and it didn't work and now you have all that infrastructure cost, you know, it, it's not cheaper. Now you have to amateurize that into your next venture. And so it's like. You can, as long as you figure out your system and you get it going long enough, uh, then it, it can work out amazing. And, and as long as like <clears throat> your, uh, the feed that you buy stops sending it to the feed store and now you're freaking out because you have to figure out where to buy that feed again. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so, and, and you know, just stuff like just changes along the way and, and cost. So I, I think it can be cheaper, um, but in the beginning, it's not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I got to completely agree with the the beginning because all the, the infrastructure costs alone on fences and stuff like that is just, you know, when you're talking about, you know, animals, it's just astronomical and it'll take forever to get that, that kind of price back. But, you know, and then when you it's hard to compare, though, 
I, I would definitely say, you know, what you make compared to what you can buy. Because like we were saying earlier, it you can't buy that quality. Even, you know, free range organic eggs, go buy those off the shelf, then crack one open next to your own. Yours is going to look, you know, the, the yolk itself is just so much more bright. It's orange, not yellow. It's orange, you know, and it's that, you know, deep, dark orange plus the flavor so much. So it's it's hard to even make that monetary decision. But uh, one thing that we've done, you know, and I'm sure a lot of homesteaders will do, like you were saying, was uh, when you sell it, you know, when you, you have a business that you have, the infrastructure becomes a write-off. And, you know, that doesn't, and write-offs don't mean it's free. But it does make a big difference in that once you, you know, you know how to start funneling things through a business, you know, you basically kind of get them at a more of a discount and then stacking discounts. And uh, like Buddy was saying, if it doesn't work, you know, some of the stuff you, you might buy more temporary fencing until you can find out, you know, if that's going to work and you can establish it so you can repurpose some of those things for other things. But uh, yeah, but, so I mean, I, not. It depends on really what you're doing. Um, like the cost for me to build one rat, one chicken tractor was one hundred and eighty seven dollars. Um, so if I ran in one season, if I ran eighty chickens through that tractor, that's what a dollar and a dime, uh, a dollar and a dime per chicken. I mean, yeah. that's not horribly expensive. The price of the chicken in the store went up a dollar a pound the last week. You know, so yeah. I mean, it really depends on how you do it um and what what you're doing like your layers yeah your layers are a lot of freaking money those first <laughs> eggs that come out of their ass are freaking expensive because oh, yeah. by the time you feed them for 18 weeks before they lay that egg uh yeah so layers i mean layers are kind of like a gateway shit to me after i after i had them uh we went away from layers and went to hatching eggs and then sold them as eating eggs after uh, so yeah, the money wasn't there on the layers for us. So as far as cost, yeah, those chickens, those eggs are expensive, but, uh, as far as meat and garden and stuff, uh, yeah, I think you can get, I don't think it's that expensive to get started if you do it right. Everybody wants to go yeah. too fast uh, and too big. Yeah, I totally agree. It's kind of like I bought a Berkey water, you know, system and it was like 300 bucks. My buddy's like, you know, I certainly, he's like, that's some expensive water there. Six years later, we're still using the same filters in the same system. And I'm like, it's a lot cheaper now. So that, you know, that's the longevity of it. You know, you got that big upfront investment over time, but it does, you know, if you can do it cheaper and see if you even like it, that does make a lot of sense. And there's ways that always make it, you know, cheaper, more progressive. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, and, if, and like Hawkins was saying, if you can repurpose. Uh, so one of the things we're going to do for pigs is we're going to do a, uh, uh, a, a 60 by 20 um, hoop house and do uh, deep bedding uh, pigs. And if they don't work out, guess what? We now have a hoop house for growing a garden. And so, uh, so that's the, the kind of, that's our, that's our, but if it does work, Hey, we can, we have a covered area to grow pigs. I mean, how awesome is that? You know? So uh, that, that's kind of our, our multifunctional per plus we can put chickens in there in the winter um, maybe if we get rabbits, you know, all multifunctional purpose, you know, it's a little, it's a lot more upfront expense, but, you know, should lead to better results long-term and uh, more payoff. Plus it's a mulch and composting machine built in. So. I, I, it's cheaper. Yes. And no, I think some people that I have talked to, it really depends what kind of eating you're coming from. 
if you are eating a diet of ramen and spaghettios and macaroni and cheese, and you decide you're going to move to a farm and you're going to grow and raise all your own food, it is not going to be cheaper. You cannot go from ramen to, you know what I'm saying, is Brian? That in a bake, is that in a Baker Creek catalog, the ramen plant? <laughs> I should check. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, some people, you, you have to understand what... Like Hawkins was saying, it's hard to compare, you know, the quality of the food to anything you're going to buy in the store to what you can grow yourself. But I also know that there were years when we were raising uh, layers here. And for me to make money on my eggs, I had to sell them for two fifty three dollars a dozen, like bare minimum. And they're getting 88 cents a dozen for eggs in the store. You know, so depending on where you are financially, you know, there may be some times I'm like, you know what, I, I don't care what those eggs taste like I need food and they're 88 cents a dozen, you know, so I think it depends where you are in your life and um, what you're coming from. So I also I will say that I there is no way that I could eat the quality of food that I eat if I wasn't growing it myself. There's no way. And like, Brian, you grew microgreens and I bought microgreens from you. I never would have bought microgreens anywhere unless, do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not anything I would have thought to grow myself or do myself. But now that I'm on a homestead, there are things that I will grow and I will raise and I will eat that I wouldn't even worry about if I wasn't here. So that also adds another level of complication to the question, I suppose. And I think you had a good point. And I think Hawkins mentioned it earlier as well, is you have to compare apples to apples, pardon the pun, uh, like the quality of food that you're getting, that you're growing versus the quality of food that you're buying. You can't compare the egg that you're growing to the crap egg that is produced in a mass production environment. Like they're just not the same. And so the price differential is not the same as well. So. Mm -hmm. There's two different societies out there. There's the society that doesn't give a shit that goes to like quick trip and picks up an 88 cent dozen of eggs. Or there's somebody that goes, I mean, I mean, there's shades in between, but there's two schools of thought. And then one wants a farm quality, know your farmer egg from corn free, soy free, organic feed. And I'm selling to those people because they're going to pay me six, seven dollars a dozen for eggs and not go to quick trip because they understand what kind of shit that is. So, um, yeah, it depends on where you're coming from. Like if those people that are buying it, then transition into growing it and that costs them $4 a dozen to raise those eggs. Well, that's $2 a dozen savings. And so it is cheaper. So. And I was just going to say on that same note with, as you do more and learn more, I think it does get a lot cheaper because even like with chickens, uh, you know, we have chickens. Well, anything that can a chicken can eat does not, not go into the trash. It goes into the chicken bucket, you know, and the kids know it, you know, and they've been trained over the last, you know, six months to a year now. Don't throw it away. You put it in the chicken bucket. We'll feed it to the chickens, you know, leftovers. We'll feed to the chickens. Uh, you got your garden. You got your rabbits, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's going to supplement your feed if you free range and you have a, a mulch area that they can go scratch through and get a bunch of worms and all kinds of good stuff. You know, so as you learn more and do more, you know, it's was it um, as things scale, you know, things get cheaper. So I, I think that's part of it, too, because you can raise an egg or you can raise a pig for, you know, it, it'll cost you X amount of pound. Then Buddy over here raises a pig and it's going to cost him X amount of pound. 
same quality even, but two totally different methods because you've been doing it a lot longer and, you know, it was his first year. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make a big difference in just in feet alone, I think. So. I want to answer Nate LeMaster is like, what size was the that hoop house? I'm getting a, I'm going to buy the 20 by 60 kit from Bootstrap Farmer. Uh, that's the kit that I'm going to get. So I, I recommend. <laughs> I did a lot of research into trying to get uh, uh, hoop houses and like can't afford an $8,000 hoop house. I mean, it just not for this. And I looked at a lot of DIY methods and I'm like, everything is going to blow away. Like some of this stuff is crap. And then I found Bootstrap Farmer and it was, I'm like, that I can trust. I was watching the build quality and I'm like, that I can trust. And so totally recommend. And then I met the guy at a survival podcast uh, workshop. And so I got to talk to the guy that actually created it. So uh, that gave me a little more trust in it too. So uh, that's, did you look, did you look into grants on the, on the hoop houses? They got like these crazy grants in Minnesota for hoop houses. Um, and yeah. I'm not sure if those federal or state but man if you're gonna if their mm. government's gonna be there they're gonna steal all my freaking money i'm gonna take whatever i can out of them and suck it out of them and use it for good yeah i do it, it's a weird process um for for this area for getting it and there there are several weird things in there that i didn't feel comfortable getting it because i couldn't guarantee a couple of things and if you didn't quite if it didn't all work, you'd be penalized financially afterwards. Yeah, it's, it's kind of shady. Some of the stuff is real shady, so you got to make sure it's right. But yeah, yeah there's an opportunity I, for free money. Yeah, totally checked into it. I, I, it was some conservation thing I had never heard of uh, for in our area. And I just I was like, eh, I don't like that after all. Uh, it's not as it's not as free and clear as I was hoping. <laughs> All right, we got some comments we're going to take a look at here. Nike Toes Quilting says, Garden amendments alone cost a month's worth of groceries for two people. So that is something to spend your money on. Nate Lamaster says, Think we finally broke even on the rabbits. Egg layers, we are still a ways out. Hogs we buy from a farmer for a dollar a pound. The bacon alone covers the cost of the hog. Emily says, any cost you lose on growing your own, we found we saved by being healthier and not needing as many meds. Does anybody want to comment on that one? Who goes to the doctor? Like, <laughs> I don't think I've been to the doctor in like 14 years or something like that. Yeah, for us, that's the hope long term. I mean, I feel like, you know, watching my kids and then watching my parents and watching other people different. Like, I feel like as a kid, you're sick all the time because you're building up the immunity. You have this nice golden era of like all that immunity finally works. And then your body's all broken down later on in life. So you get sick by everything. <laughs> And so the hope is in this golden era time, eating as healthy as possible and getting as much nutrients of everything as possible. So that when you get a later in life, you last a lot longer. Uh, you know, so that's kind of the, that's the goal. I don't know. Like the same, I haven't really been to the doctor for anything major other than me, you know, getting a sinus infection and not taking care of it soon enough and uh, having to get some antibiotics just to knock it off. And, uh, but that's about it for me. Unless you count cutting a finger on a table saw, but that's a different story. I don't go to the doctor for that. 
asked my wife. I cut half my thumb off with a table saw and made her like clean it in the sink and take care of it every night and change the dressing every day. Never went to the doctor for it. She's like, I was like, why the hell am I going to go to the doctor? There's nothing to sew back on. As long as you can control the bleeding and keep it clean, what difference does it make? So she talked to a nurse that she works with and asked him, was like showing her pictures to make sure she was doing it right. And she's like, is there anything else you would have done at the hospital? She's like, yeah, give him a lidocaine shot so he didn't have to bite on that belt to keep from crying. I do think it's funny. Um, that's one of the eating really healthy, eating the good food that we raise. Sometimes I forget to put that up against or with. We rarely, rarely, rarely ever go to the doctor. We are rarely ever sick. And and sometimes, like, that's just our normal. And so sometimes I forget, hey, it might be because of all that really great food you're eating. So, yeah, definitely a benefit. What other comments we got here? Rockin' Farm says, I have my pigs down for $6 a pound. You would never find pasture-raised grass-fed grass pork for that price, but it is still more expensive than what most people are used to paying. Uh, Aaron from Two Chicks Homestead says we could sell rabbits for $25, but it is worth more to use to fill our freezer. All depends on what your end goal is. I think that is true. And knowing that you're supporting your local small farmer. Rockin' A Farm says you're not going to get a Walmart shopper to pay $6 for eggs, but your whole food shopper is going to think that's a steal. That's a really good point. Depends where you are coming from. I was in Portland for work a couple of years ago and just when I was getting into chickens and we went to uh, get some food at the grocery store, the local Fitzgerald grocery store. And I just meandered on back to the eggs out of curiosity and looked for very specific grass free rain, all, all the buzzwords, $12 a dozen. And I'm like, oh. and people were paying for it. Yeah. I was like, man, I need to find those people in my area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rockin' Aid Farm says, my lifestyle has cured my type 2, type two fat-ass diabetes. <laughs> well, there you go. Good for you. Good for you. So we are at an hour. We got one more question here that I wanted to uh, get into, and I think it'll be a good one to kind of wind down with. So if there's any kind of advice you want to stick into the, this, because I think it'll actually work out, there are people who will say, I cannot grow enough or raise enough to even make a dent in my grocery list. So I'm not even going to try. What is your response? So <laughs> I, I mean, there's more to it than, than just the dent in the, in, in the, uh, uh, in, in the grocery bill. And you might be surprised. It's, it's easy to grow 25% of your own food. If, if you're, if you actually get after it, it's, it's hard to grow a hundred percent and people like to keep their focus on that hundred percent. Uh, and so, uh, but the, but the sense of accomplishment alone is, is worth just throwing a, throwing a, a garden thing in the back of the, uh, uh, back porch and just growing some tomatoes and some basil and just sprinkle it in your stuff. I mean, uh, you just learn so much and, and, you know, have a little bit healthier of a lifestyle. So, yeah, I gotta say what Buddy just said was uh, that's exactly. Even say, even if you're just gonna build, grow a few herbs, your quality of food you're eating is gonna go better, and that's gonna make your quality of life better. 
So even if you don't dent the grocery bill with what you can grow because of footprint or whatever, then the quality of life will go better, you know, go up. And like we were just saying, you may not put a dent in your grocery bill, but you might put a dent in your health bill, which could be a lot more, you know, a lot better for you. Um, the other thing is know what you eat and grow what you eat first. You know, like the main thing we focus on is because we can grow them easy. Strawberries and cherry tomatoes and cucumbers. Those are the three big ones that we grow because the kids absolutely love strawberries. They absolutely love cherry tomatoes and cucumbers. I love them and we make like making pickles. So if I don't grow anything, I try to grow at least those three because every every bit of it's going to get eaten. You know, that, that'd be my biggest thing to say is, you know, grow those, you know, delicacies, I guess. Oh, so if somebody said that to me, I'd have a couple questions for them because uh, that's kind of just how I roll. I got, I'd have, I have questions for everyone. That's that's how I learn. Um, but I'd ask them what the hell they eat. Like, you you gotta make you gotta make a decision at some point to eat what you can grow or raise. Um, we didn't get here going to the grocery store. Like people ate what they could raise, what they could harvest that came from the land. It didn't come from a processed factory or anything. So if you're telling me that you can't make a dent in your grocery bill by growing something or raising something, that's telling me you're eating a lot of shit that you can't grow or raise. Otherwise you could replace it by what you're growing. May it be a little more expensive? Yes. I, I, I misread the question in the prep. I thought it meant grocery list, not grocery bill. Uh, so I had this whole like great thing in my head. Um, but I think it's one and the same. Um, the health factor uh, definitely uh, weighs in on the price. I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking down that line when I was talking price. Cause I mean, I did all the books, I did all the math and the grocery store and the time and the energy going to the grocery store and all that stuff. I was still, you know, compatible and the meat was way much better way better way way better so um but anyway uh what are you eating and why haven't you started like why haven't you tried is it because you you don't think you can afford it um you can get a you can start a little hydroponic system cracky lettuce that you can have a salad every day and you could probably start it for under 20 bucks um like just that simple just try it and grow some lettuce Grow some freaking lettuce, have a salad every day for lunch and be happy, be a happy person, get a little bit of greens in your life and then, you know, eat your tacos or whatever you want for a dinner that you can't grow or your ramen plant if it's not, if it gets ruined in the, the hailstorm, And so you don't get a good bumper crop of ramen and, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, man, start eating shit you can grow or get from a farmer, like from a farmer, not from a farmer at a store, like something that somebody's growing and putting their hands on. That's, mm -hmm. you're, you'll be much happier and healthier. I'm going to go to the comments here. Aaron from two, Aaron, I cannot read today, you guys. Aaron from Two Chicks Homestead says that one plate of 100% homegrown food is worth it. That is so exciting when that happens. Nate Lamaster says, we source 40 to 50% of our food from the hog and our half acre. Y'all do not have to have 117 acres in order to provide as much food as you think that you do. You don't. And I love this comment. Nikki Toes Quilting says, if you can't grow 75% of what you eat, grains not included, you need to analyze what you're ingesting. I love what Brian said about 
start some lettuce in your Kratky system and have a salad every day for lunch. That's what, you know, a third of your meals for the day, you know, that it's change what you're eating if you can't grow what you're eating. Because you, I've looked and there's no ramen plants, y'all. You can a get a whole lot of lettuce seeds for a little bit of money. Oh my gosh, whole yes you lot. can. It's crazy how much is in that little baby, little baby envelope. Let's see. Uh, Rock and Aid Farm says, I preach that on my YouTube channel all the time. Grow what you eat and eat what you grow. We have a question here. Nikki Toast Quilting says, what do you all think of eating seasonally like they did a hundred years ago? Anybody want to take that one? This is, so I'm very much, a, you know, God has provided us, you know, with everything that we need in the way that we need it. But I'm also like, I like to eat meat year round and not all meat's available all year round. And so this is where I enjoy the fact that we can harvest and uh, eat things out of season. Uh, you know, same thing with some of the vegetables. Like, so I take advantage of it and like, I try to eat more keto carnivore anyway, so it's close, but um, I, I'm i not really down down the path of like eating, you know, only during the seasons of what's there. Like, let's, let's take advantage of some technology. So, Yeah, I had greens all year round in my kitchen and uh, plenty of meat in the freezer, so it wasn't really seasonal for me. Um, I got a freezer. Like like Buddy said, I, I don't need to eat seasonally. If I had to, I mean, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, as long as it's meat and greens, I'm good. Uh, with me, I would like to do that more. But uh, with the kids, you know, they're always, like I said, they're always wanting their strawberries. So even when they're not in season, they're going to want that stuff, you know, and I don't like denying them of something that, we have the technology to make. Uh, now, what I would like to do, because I think even 100 years ago, you know, when, if we're going back only that far, they preserved everything. So I would like to have dehydrated fruits and vegetables and things like that. So that way you're, you know, because you only got, well, you got a lot longer up there where you all are. We don't have that much of a, you know, our swath of time to get through from pre prepping, you know, preparing or whatever from that abundance over the, summer and spring is isn't that long so you should we should be able to you know have those preserves and have those reserves set back and that's really my goal is to build to make enough to extend it out you know where we can eat it all year long you know kind of like the two-year-old chicken i pulled out you know that, that have those reserves because freezing is a viable option i think you know or canning and all that stuff and that, that's something that we're slowly going to be doing more and more of you know, as opposed to, but I do think you should kind of cut back, I guess, when the stuff's not in, you know, you shouldn't be just down in fruits all year long just because you can. Right. Because right. they're not the healthiest with all the sugar, I guess. Yeah, I like the concept of eating seasonally, but I've always wondered, okay, how, if we're talking eating what's in season at that time, if you're in Minnesota and it's 40 below, what's in season, right? So I've always wondered about that, but you know, preserving and making sure you've got stuff to get you through the year. That's really something that we're changing our focus on here. When we moved here, we were all about the meat and we know how much meat we need to raise. And we have so much meat here. We are good on the meat. We could be like carnivore all the way. We would just be fine. But the garden has really been kind of a, 
an afterthought. You know, it's like we throw the seeds in the ground, whatever grows, grows. We we preserve what we get, whatever. It hasn't really been planned out. And so this year, along with getting the hydroponic system going, which is that just opens a whole nother thing of having it year round. It's it's so interesting to me to look at how how we can do better at you know, preserving this stuff. And, and in December when I'm craving, you know, whatever it is that I put up, it will be there. So I like the idea of seasonal. I don't know how that applies to Minnesota, but you know, it's good. It's all good. Uh, Aaron from two chicks homestead said my hydroponic system makes it seasonal all year long. So there you go. We got these tricks that we're using, whatever works, right? All right. Let me know if there's any more questions in the comments. Otherwise, is there anything else you guys want to say about this growing and raising your own food before we sign off for the night? Um, be be willing to ex uh, explore different areas or different ways to do it. So if you're in an HOA, um, maybe you can grow garlic around the edge of your house in a, in a bed that looks like um, decorative plants and then you pull that garlic and you trade it with a guy for something that you need uh you keep some for yourself or uh you grow berry bushes and you harvest those and you trade them don't don't use excuses of i don't have enough land or i can't do it um like i said that that mixing tray uh cracky system like 20 bucks i mean start it in your basement you got to buy some lights maybe or you put it in a sunny window so, I mean, give it a try, get something going, do something, start providing for yourself a little and it'll get contagious and you'll do a lot more. Let's say uh, set a drop dead date, like say I'm going to do X, Y, and Z on this date. And you'd be surprised, you know, if you hold yourself to it, you'd be surprised at how, uh, how quickly you'll pick stuff up that you need to pick up and you will find the corners that you need to cut to still accomplish the goal. Instead of doing it perfect, you're doing it good enough uh, to get going. And then, and then you actually start and then you start to make the mistakes and you start to figure out where to improve. So set that, set that drop dead date on this day. Uh, that's kind of, in a sense, what I ended up doing on my chickens is I went ahead and ordered the chickens. I was like, I'm going to be picking them up uh, in April. Like I think it was April 9th, the first time I did it. So that means I had four months. So I had to make sure everything was done because I had already bought them. <laughs> so. All right. Hawkins says, no, uh, I guess if I was going to give one last piece of advice, I would remind people to maybe keep a journal or keep track of what you've done. Um, I, it's amazing to me how I think from year to year, I'm going to, I think I'm going to remember when did we plant the potatoes last year? When did we, when were we supposed to get those in the ground? And when I finally get to looking back at the journal, I'm like, wow, I should have had those in the, in the ground a month ago. Wow. Really good job, Amy. But you're, you're not going to remember as much as you think you're going to remember. So write it down, keep track and make sure you look back. So you will know when the raspberries are going to be ripe. When are the grapes going to be ripe? When are you supposed to go do that thing? Whatever it is, um, keep. I have found so much help with the the farm journal that I keep. It has been very, very helpful to me. Can Can I add on to that? Yeah. Uh, and don't look for software to solve this problem for you. Like, don't look for that ideal garden software. I mean, my day job is software development, and I've talked to other software developers that do homesteading, and and we're always thinking, what is that one app that I can write or find to solve this particular? And we can't figure it out. 
the best thing you can do is just write it down on something and you remember where it is. If that's Excel, that's Excel. If it's a Word document, that's a Word document. If that's a three ring binder in your closet, then write it down on there. The best thing you can do is write it down somewhere because like the software is not going to solve the problem. The best you can possibly get out of that is like comparing a diagram uh, from year to year. And maybe if you pay for some advanced features, get some really cool like machine learning stuff to tell you the best, but, or you can use your brain, um, <laughs> the same thing for free. So like, don't try to find advanced software unless you're doing something crazy. Just write it down in a notebook. So it's my thoughts. All right. Well, I don't see any other questions in the comments. So why don't we go around and tell us where we can find you and if you've got anything coming up that we need to know about. Brian, you want to start? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was kind of dozing off there. Um, I'm... <laughs> Uh, I'm Brian. Uh, you can find me at thelotsproject.com. I have a daily podcast every morning from 6 to 6.30-ish central in the morning. Early risers uh, get up and join me for a cup of coffee. Uh, you can find that on YouTube, uh, Float or Odyssey, Twitch. I think I'm live streaming there. Uh, somebody told me I was live streaming on Twitter the other day, so um, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know I had a Twitter account, so... Rock and roll. I set it up, I guess. Uh, yeah, interviews on Saturday mornings at 11 Central currently. Uh, this weekend, I have uh, Stanley and Nicole back on. I had an earlier interview with them. It was fantastic. Their story is incredible, and it was so enthralling, and we only got about halfway through it, and they're coming back this weekend. So uh, hang out on Saturday morning at 11, and uh, here's Stanley, the rest of Stanley and Nicole, Nicole's uh, journey um, up until today, where their uh, plans are now. So. Yeah. Well, you can find me at buddy.net, B-U-D-D-I-Y.net. It's uh, about DIY anywhere from uh, woodworking to electronics to homesteading to building, planning, project management. It's a kind of a gamut of things because it is my journey from not knowing any of this stuff to anything except for how to do software development to trying to get to where I could build whatever the crap I want to build. And so uh usually it's me telling my story and what i've learned about it um and hopefully offering advice so you don't make my dumb mistakes uh and then i'm expanding trying to do a couple of youtube videos a year of tutorial stuff trying to get back into that so uh, you can find me at buddy.net it's a weekly podcast and uh that's pretty much it for now but it'll be bigger hawkins uh Chicken Hawk Farmstead, you can find me on YouTube under that name, Odyssey, Instagram. Uh, do a lot of like tour reviews, DIY stuff, gardening stuff. Some of it's seasonal. Uh, in the wintertime, I do more of the you know inside DIY, some 3D printing here and there. And when spring and fall and summer come around, try to get outside and show show what I'm doing and where I mess up and where I do good. So you, you know, you can learn from what I'm done. All right, and I'm Amy, and you can find me at afarmerskindoflife.com. I have started live streaming on my channel every Friday morning. Thank you, Brian, for kicking my butt and making me do this live stream thing because it is so dang fun. So 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central on Friday mornings on the Farmers Kind of Life YouTube channel, Facebook, and Float. 
Uh, what else can I tell you? I don't know. Oh, I have this uh, monthly snail mail newsletter that you can subscribe to if you want to. I'm just finishing up the April uh, issue. If you want to subscribe to that, go to afarmishkindoflife.com and look in the menu and you'll be able to figure out how to do that. So uh, we have not completely nailed down the topic for next week yet, but you know, it's going to be awesome because it's fireside freedom and we always have great conversations. So we will let you know when we get that narrowed down. But uh, thanks for hanging out with all of us today. And we will be back here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. See you guys.